0: This is the California Report. I'm Laura Clivens in San Francisco. Governor Gavin Newsom broke his silence around his absence from the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Scotland, saying he skipped the trip to spend Halloween with his kids. KQED Politics reporter Guy Zarati has more.
2: Newsom announced suddenly that he'd missed the Global Climate Summit 11 days ago, citing family obligations, but offered no detail beyond that. Speculation about his whereabouts ran rampant, particularly among the governor's critics. At an event in Monterey Tuesday, Newsom revealed that his four kids pleaded with him to skip the trip to Scotland. And the kids literally, they kind of had an intervention. They said they couldn't believe that I was going to miss Halloween. While Newsom also attended a lavish wedding this weekend for a member of the Getty family, that occurred after his previously scheduled return to California. For the California
0: Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. When oceans and climate change are in the same sentence, it's usually negative. But at International Climate Conference COP26, a Bay Area ecologist pointed to marine sanctuaries as a climate change solution. KQED's Ezra David Romero explains.
3: Sarah Hutto told world leaders in Glasgow that the area around the Farallon Islands off the coast of San Francisco is a natural carbon sink. That's where plants like kelp pull carbon out of the atmosphere and store it. The Farallons are a cluster of rocks at the city's horizon and anchor a large marine sanctuary where Hutto studied carbon storage. Hutto leads climate work for the Greater Farallons Association.
4: Part of the way we're going to get ourselves out of this crisis is by focusing on the ocean. It's the most massive carbon sink we have.
3: When oceans absorb carbon dioxide, it makes the water more acidic and can harm marine life. But in the Greater Fairlands National Marine Sanctuary, Hutto says there's natural carbon storage.
4: Seagrass and salt marsh muds, kelp export to the deep sea, and the, the movement of dead whales, essentially, from the surface ocean down to the deep sea.
3: In this marine sanctuary alone, Hutto says those processes store enough carbon to equal 4,000 vehicles driving for a year, or 2 million gallons of gasoline. She says restoring more aquatic ecosystems is a largely untapped climate solution. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero.
0: The United Nations has released a draft of a climate accord that urges nations to revisit and strengthen their plans to cut greenhouse gas emissions. That's not just carbon dioxide. It's methane, too. And earlier at COP26, countries committed to slash methane emissions. I spoke to environment reporter Rachel Becker with CalMatters on what this means for California.
4: Methane is the the key part of natural gas. It's a shorter-lived but more powerful greenhouse gas than the more notorious carbon dioxide. It makes up about 10% of the greenhouse gases that people across the U.S. pump out into the atmosphere, but it actually accounts for about 30% of today's warming.
0: Reducing emissions, then, would have a greater bang for our buck in the short term if we cut out methane?
4: That's the idea.
0: So can you give us an overview of the methane commitments made at COP?
4: So more than 100 countries signed on to a pledge launched by the U.S. and the European Union to cut methane emissions from 2020 levels over the next 10 years. President Joe Biden paired that pledge with a big announcement about a new national plan to cut methane emissions as well. And one of the main parts of that is a draft rule to cut methane pollution from new and existing oil and gas facilities.
0: Let's bring this to California. Where does methane come from in our state and how much of a problem is it?
4: So here in California, more than half of our methane actually comes from agriculture, um, largely manure and belches from dairy cows. Methane seeping from landfills also makes up a pretty sizable amount. The state has made a number of efforts to tackle methane pollution over the past decade and a half. Um, It's rolled out requirements for methane-captured landfills, increased oversight and monitoring to prevent leaks in natural gas pipelines and storage facilities, and setting a statewide target to cut methane pollution 40% below 2013 levels by 2030. It's also got a slate of of rules and requirements for regular monitoring, uh, leak detection, and repair at new and existing oil and gas facilities statewide.
0: What would the COP commitments mean for California then?
4: So the COP commitments won't change much of what California is doing. And for the moment, the national methane strategy doesn't seem to change much either. Uh, The state, though, does kind of have a, a mixed track record on methane. So it's been working over the past decade and a half. But emissions haven't really decreased. They haven't increased, but they haven't largely decreased over the past 10 years.
0: So what is the significance of California's experience trying to reduce methane emissions given these new commitments that other countries are making?
4: The significance of California's methane story is that with all of its efforts over the past, you know, decade and a half, it really hasn't seen significant changes in its methane pollution, which really signals the struggle for all of these nations around the world that promised to cut global methane pollution 30% over the next 10 years. And yet California, which has been working on this, uh, hasn't seen that level of reductions yet. That was Rachel Becker with CalMatters. Do
0: you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.
3: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
0: Many people in California are concerned about the widening gap between the rich and the poor in the state. KQED's Katie Orr reports on findings from a new survey. The poll from the Public Policy Institute of California finds an overwhelming majority say the gap between the haves and have-nots is getting bigger. But PPIC President and Survey Director Mark Baldassari says even in these partisan times, there's a lot of consensus about how to fix the problem.
3: Whether it comes to creating more
0: affordable childcare for lower-income workers, whether it comes to improving job training, and also when it comes to finding ways to provide housing close to work in our regions that are more affordable for people There's much work to do. More than 75% of Californians think the government should help low-income families pay for child care. Even more support increased funding for job training programs. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. Fast food workers across California walked off the job yesterday to advocate for better working conditions. KQED's Shereen Kareem has more.
5: The workers are calling for the passage of Assembly Bill 257, which would establish a fast-food council to set standards for industry wages and working conditions. Crystal Orozco is a shift supervisor at a jack-in-the-box in Folsom. She says that she was threatened with reduced hours after she complained about a lack of breaks.
4: The bill is just gives us the opportunity to talk to the main people, and voice ourselves, and let them know what's going on.
5: The council would include workers, restaurant owners, and representatives from government agencies and corporations. The group would have the power to set standardized wages and working conditions. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez authored the bill.
4: So we want to standardize more of it in order to ensure that every worker in these franchises have the opportunity to have a safe working condition, to have um, a quality job, and, and to be able to keep themselves safe in times like when there was a pandemic.
5: Ariana Navarro, a Burger King employee in Stockton who walked out, says she hopes the bill would improve working conditions. During the heat wave in Sacramento, it was like 115 degrees, the A.C. went out. And very unsafe, unsafe working environment to be working. Just imagine how hot it is in the kitchen. Vice President of the International Franchise Association, Jeff Hanscom, who poses the bill, says that setting up an unelected council to determine wages is an overstep.
2: We don't think it's a place that the legislature should abdicate their authority. Abdicating this authority to an unelected and somewhat unaccountable body uh, in our view, is, is not the best public policy and, and certainly not one that we support.
5: Fast food employees that walked out says it doesn't end here. They'll continue to advocate for better wages and working conditions until they get them. Oh, definitely. I'm going to go to every strike, even if it's not my score in particular. You know what I mean? Fast food workers are better when we stand together. For the California Report, I'm Shireen Kareem.
0: COVID-19 vaccination numbers continue to improve within the Los Angeles Police Department. According to Police Chief Michael Moore, about 78% of LAPD personnel have received at least one dose of the vaccine, with many getting their first shot over the last week. This comes as the department has begun delivering notices to unvaccinated employees. 2,000 notices so far. Those individuals must pay for regular COVID testing and be vaccinated by December 18th. Otherwise, they will face possible termination.
2: Over the course of those deliveries, we have now assigned two of our sworn members at home for refusal to uh, sign and enter into the agreement and one civilian.
0: Vaccine mandates have become a hugely divisive issue for law enforcement agencies and fire departments across the state, with large numbers of staff threatening to resign. But that hasn't happened yet. Chief Moore says the department will continue to push those who are not vaccinated to get their shots.
2: It is our intention to have a fully vaccinated workforce. We continue to provide uh, information relative to the power and the value of this uh, vaccine uh, and its protective values for uh, all of our personnel, their families.
3: Uh, and those that we come in contact with.
0: LAPD's message is in sharp contrast to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, which has pushed back against enforcing vaccine mandates. Santa Clara County's jail system is seeing a surge in COVID-19 cases. That includes more than two dozen new cases reported on Monday, the largest one-day total in the past nine months. According to the San Jose Mercury News, there are 100 active cases in Santa Clara County jails, with the majority reported at the Elmwood facility in Milpitas. The sheriff's office tells the paper it's following public health guidelines, but declined to say how many inmates are vaccinated. A new study shows that women injected with a pregnancy drug may be passing along an increased cancer risk to their children. KQED health reporter Leslie McClurg explains. Researchers at the Public Health Institute followed more than 18,000 women who were pregnant in Oakland in the early 60s and received an injection of a synthetic hormone to prevent miscarriages. Fast forward six decades and their offspring may face a greater cancer risk
5: there was an increased risk in colorectal cancer, in prostate cancer, and pediatric brain cancer.
0: That's Barbara Cohn, co-author of the new study. The potentially cancerous ingredient is still used today in a drug called McKenna, which is intended to prevent preterm birth. It was already under scrutiny. In 2019, the FDA recommended pulling McKenna off the market, citing evidence that it's not effective. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. Former California Governor Jerry Brown has convened a group of experts and ex-government officials to tackle one of the state's biggest problems, wildfires. Cap Radio's Scott Rod reports.
2: These days, Brown spends his time on a ranch in rural Calusa County. And like many places in California, it's vulnerable to wildfires. The group of roughly 20 experts gathered at the ranch and produced a declaration laying out what the state should do to minimize fire dangers. Ken Pimlott served as chief of CAL FIRE under Brown and participated in the working group.
0: We're all in this. We're all being impacted. This is a
2: generational challenge we face. It's not a one-time, one-year issue. The state and federal government spend billions more on fire suppression than fire prevention. But the group advocates there should be equal funding for both. They also call for more prescribed burning that mimics fire's natural role in forests. The declaration pointed to an investigative series titled Dangerous Air, spearheaded by public radio stations in California, that documented how Western wildfires are blanketing the entire country in harmful smoke. That's everyone's problem. You don't have to live in these communities to be impacted. As a matter of fact, many of our urban areas, our cities, were impacted the greatest. Pimlott says the two-page declaration is just a first step and must be followed by collaboration between state and federal agencies, along with private groups. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rodd in Sacramento.
3: Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at schmidtfutures.com. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and
0: video visits. stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, November 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Laura Clivance. Thanks for listening.